welcome to another episode. Uh, welcome to another episode of Appalachian Shine, the official podcast for the Foundation for Appalachian Advancement. I'm J.C. Swangruber, and uh, thanks again for tuning in. I think we're up to episode. I think we're on episode thirty. We've been around for a while, so thanks uh, for all of you for sticking out with us. Um, yeah, it's been fun. Had an opportunity to talk about a whole lot of different things on here. Have a few guests, and we're looking forward to having a few more in the future. But uh, today, I want to talk a little bit about Andrew Jackson. And uh, most of you know Andrew Jackson as uh, one of our future presidents. Actually, he was the seventh president of the United States from 1829 to 1837. Now, why the heck do I bring up Andrew Jackson of all people? Well, Andrew Jackson's actually a really interesting uh, figure, and I thought of Andrew Jackson as I was driving through Jonesboro, Tennessee, and I thought, well, there's the old homestead for Andrew Jackson. Um, Jonesboro's a great town, so if you've not had an opportunity to travel through Jonesboro, make sure you do it. It's, it's an amazing place. But I wanted to talk a little bit about just the history of Andrew Jackson. Um, now, Andrew Jackson actually... Uh, probably is probably most famous, not just for being president, but for his uh, his expeditions during the, uh, the what they call the Miracle of New Orleans, uh, the battle that actually shaped America's destiny. Uh, there's a really great book uh, you might want to check out. I'm, I really enjoyed this. It's called Andrew Jackson and the Miracle of New Orleans uh, by a guy named Brian Kilmeade. Now, yeah, this was the War of 1812 is where Andrew Jackson actually became incredibly popular in, in our culture and in, in America at the time. Um, in the War of 1812, this guy was such a hero that, you know, Andrew Jackson in the War of 1812, America was threatened on every side. Um, the British were encouraging Indian tribes to attack settlers in the West. Uh, the Royal Navy was going up and down our coast, just terrorizing towns. By mid-1814, uh, James Madison, then president at the time, James Madison's generals had lost control of the war in the north and losing battles up in Canada. Uh, then the British troops set uh, the White House on fire in the War of 1812. And you can just imagine, you know, this young country, the feeling of hopelessness and despair that they're about to lose everything that they had fought for and, and their independence. Um, and stepped up to the plate was Major General Andrew Jackson, a native of Tennessee. Uh, he'd he'd uh, been through, he, actually, Andrew Jackson has a very long history, and I do recommend anybody to read that book, uh, because you'll see that from a very young age, man, he really had a, a distaste for the British, and uh, it showed through his entire life. And uh, he witnessed the horrors of the Revolutionary War and Indian attacks, um, and he kept trying to get the Americans to finally, you know, confront just this repeated British aggression. And finally, you know, um, he had an opportunity to do so in New Orleans. And, uh, but, it, but for a long time, New Orleans, which was the most important target of all for the British, was overlooked by, by Madison and a lot of the generals. Uh, if the British had conquered New Orleans, they would have control of the mouth of the Mississippi River, cutting Americans off from trade and um, threatening the you know the entire Louisiana Purchase. Um, so that would have cut off America's westward expansion and the dreams of manifest destiny 
before it really got off the ground. And that's when Andrew Jackson stepped up. And it was such a, such an amazing story if you get a chance to read that book. I'm not here to talk about the uh, War of 1812, though, or the Miracle of New Orleans. So who was Andrew Jackson? And I always found this fascinating because... You know, Andrew Jackson, from a young age, like I said, he had lost family members to the to the British that came through and just ravaged not just his family, but his friends, his home, left him and his brother orphans. And it, it was just a, just a sad story. And you can kind of feel, understand the rage and anger that the man had for the British throughout his whole life. But um, let's kind of back up just a little bit. Andrew Jackson, at the ripe age of 21, in 1788, he came from North Carolina to Jonesboro, Tennessee, and was sworn in as an attorney, right in Little Jonesboro. Um, he actually showed up on a racehorse, <laughs> 21 years old, uh, and I guess he served in the counties there as attorney in uh, Greene County, or what's what, what are Greene, Sullivan, and Hawkins County. Um, and a lot of times, he, when he was on his way to court, he would actually stop here in the area and just hunt. He was big into hunting. He was big into uh, uh, sharpshooting with his guns. Uh, he always stopped for shooting competitions. He was notorious for that. So when he kind of came, you know, saddled up into the community that day in Jonesboro on his racehorse, uh, followed by a pack of, uh, of foxes <laughs> that he had, um, you can just imagine the bravado this, you know, this kid felt. You know, the whole world was ahead of him. He was, he was an attorney, um, and he was doing the things that he loved. And he was in a perfect place for all the hunting he wanted to do. And there were people that were very, very um, passionate about their sharpshooting in the area uh, and their horse racing also. Um, as a matter of fact, he got into a horse race with a guy by the name of Colonel Love. Well, Colonel Love had beat Jackson. And anyway, Jackson, very competitive, got incredibly angry that he lost and started throwing out accusations at Colonel Love. Well, Colonel Love turned around and started insulting Jackson back. And this was a you know, big uh, moment in the area where they kind of had to be separated. Well, anyway, um, he was so competitive that he actually, at one point, he lost a trial to a guy by the name of Avery. And during the trial, uh, or after the trial was over, um, Avery apparently insulted Jackson, calling him green, not able to do his job. Well, Jackson, again, very competitive and very headstrong. That ended in a duel between Avery and Jackson. But thankfully, they had people, assistants around them that cooler heads prevailed, talked him down. They both kind of realized that they were... Yeah, they misinterpreted what the other person was going to say, you know, supposedly. <laughs> we'll never know. Uh, but the duel, actually, they actually followed through with the duel, but both men just fired their guns in the air, called it quits. But Jackson, when, when things were getting chippy in the country with the, with the British and uh, leading up to the War of 1812, he became uh, in charge of the Tennessee militia and up to the War of 1812. And uh, he led the battle instead of New Orleans and later became the seventh president of the United States from 1829 to 1837. Andrew Jackson, Appalachian lawyer. I found that fascinating, just the fact that 
these you know great American heroes in our in our history, uh, a lot of them are from here or had a um, a major presence here in Appalachia, as Appalachia was incredibly important to the country. And that's a, never seen more evident than a book that I'm reading right now called The United States of Appalachia by Jeff Biggers. Another great book I recommend that you read. Again, so interesting history. Andrew Jackson, Appalachian lawyer, seventh president of the United States, war hero that basically saved our country at the Battle of New Orleans. Um, what else is going on in the region? Actually, um, let's, I wanted to bring up a couple of other things that are going on here locally, and we'll keep this podcast fairly short today. But uh, I'm on the uh, email list for the Appalachian Regional Commission, and uh, recently they held a um, about an hour and a half uh, a learning session where they had you know experts around the region come in to discuss these opportunity zones, uh, which uh, are developed to strengthen local communities. There's actually, according to the ARC, there's 737 distressed communities. I know we have 420 counties, but if they break out the communities individually, they, they claim that there's 737 distressed communities uh, in Appalachia that are designed as opportunity zones where new investments coming into that area may be eligible for preferential tax treatment. Now, if you're um, an investor looking to open up something or somebody looking to move a business into Appalachia, you want to find out where the best place you can go to get this preferential tax treatment. You can go to arc.gov forward slash opportunity dash zones. And I'll post that up on our Facebook page. And you can uh, click on that link and go from there. Just look us up on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash support Appalachia. And if you're new to, new to us on Facebook, make sure you give us a like on there and follow us. Um, we do post things up like this from time to time on our website for people to follow. Um, but actually, they had uh, quite a few people that uh, gave remarks from different parts of Appalachia. Um, and we're talking about uh, from you know, places like Alabama, uh, Kentucky, uh, Virginia. I mean, just uh, th there were quite a few people that, that uh, chimed in to talk about uh, different places in Appalachia and how these opportunity zones and uh, business development ecosystems um, are developing and, and progressing. And one of the uh, one of the focuses actually on that particular call was uh, on Alabama's 37 Appalachian counties and what's going on there. But you know, um, the ARC actually hosts uh, you know a lot of these things. They, and their website is very good for giving updates on what's happening in each of the states and the counties, uh, the Appalachian counties, and those. So uh, get an opportunity. That's a great um, website just to get good data, arc.gov. Uh, also, I want to talk a little bit about a fundraiser that we have. Um, let me click out of this uh, link that I have here, and I want to go to a fundraiser that we have listed on our Facebook page. Now, as you notice, with the, a lot of the things I like to talk about, and we have guests on here to talk about on our podcast, is a lot about Appalachian history and just how rich our history is and our culture is. And, um, you know, we're absolutely fascinated with how important our, our region is to generally the long-term development of our country from the very beginning. And just the, uh, the heroes and the pioneers that came through here that made such a profound difference in, uh, in our nation and in our region. So to, uh, preserve that history. There's so much forgotten history. 
And that's something we talk about a lot, and, and uh, actually a lot of you that listen talk about. And we hear from town to town and county to county. Um, we're rich with exciting history. So um, on we have a, a, a link to GoFundMe charity uh, to actually raise funds to do short pan- not short booklets, not, not anything terribly long, 25, 30 pages uh, each booklet um, on a particular uh, point of interest for uh, um, Appalachian history. And I'll just read this to you from the website here. Appalachia is rich with exciting history. No matter where we stand, we're surrounded by stories about how we came to be as a culture and a community. Every county has a beginning. Every town has a story to tell. And well, let's be honest, every town and county in Appalachia has countless stories to tell, and much of that history has unfortunately been forgotten. Sure, we're reminded by some of our hist- of, of some of our history, by the historical road markers we've driven past, if we bother to stop and read them, but even those only whet the appetite for the complete story of what they were put there to represent. And with this project, we want to publish short booklets that showcase our rich history, county by county town by town. This project won't have an end date, and it will take time. It's not a speedy project. It'll take a lot of homework on our part and discussions with historians from all over the region, but it will be exciting, and we want to bring our rich history alive for people of all ages, young and old. Appalachia has too many stories to tell to not do this project. In a perfect world, funding would not be an issue, and we could write these booklets approximately 30 or so pages each, print them, and distribute them for free. However, that only depends on your generosity. And we know you're generous. Uh, This region is full of proud Appalachians that want their history told, something they can share with friends and family. And we ask that you donate to this cause, the cause of rediscovering and preserving our history. It would be helpful for folks to have a good historical account of their own town or county in one place, something that can be absorbed quickly. Instead of having to piecemeal information together from various sources, we'd especially like to have something that parents can give to their kids to learn more about their local history. And we want to thank you in advance for supporting this cause. We'll provide periodic updates here on this page and over our Facebook page, preferably with some video content at some point uh, that we would really like to be able to do that. So uh, I do ask that you uh, stop by our Facebook page. We'll have the link up on that. So please click there and you can donate. And uh, if you get an opportunity to, please share this with others. Or if you don't want to go to the GoFundMe page, you can actually go directly to our website. There's a link there to donate. We used to go through PayPal. And that's www.supportappalachia.org. And uh, please uh, appreciate any donation you can make. $5, $10, $20, $100. It all goes uh, you know, to promoting this cause. Uh, all the directors and the officers here at our foundation, we're just volunteers. No one gets paid a dime for anything we're doing, uh, but we do need help with some of the overhead costs. As we get here toward the end of the year, and it has been one heck of a year, <laughs> um, you know, we uh, we do ask for your support, uh, especially as we get through toward the end of the year, to, to cover the things we need to cover and uh, do this project um, and do it the best of our ability. We really want to give a good pro- uh, product out there. Uh, for free that you can you can use to teach your kids local history, how your town got its name, when did it develop, who were the important players in developing and molding your town into what it is now. 
and uh, what unique things happen there that's of vital importance. Every town has stories to tell. So let's tell them. That's all we're trying to do with this project. Um, and we feel it's vitally important to preserve our history and culture. So we want to thank you in advance. And next time, we uh, on our next podcast, I was thinking we might talk about a guy by the name of Nathaniel Gist, or Gist, G-I-S-T. So we'll tell him the story of Nathaniel Gist, who was reportedly the father of the famous Cherokee Sequoia. That's a really interesting story and how the Long Island of the Holston came to be. And if you don't know where that's at, it's over near Kingsport, eastern Tennessee, um, on the Holston River. So really interesting story there. Um, we'll talk about that next time. As for now, thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Appalachian Shine. And uh, don't forget to stop by our website, and we appreciate uh, your, your generous donation in advance. Thanks again, and we'll see you down the road.